Hello and welcome to Knights of the Hobby Table. Once more, I'm your host Blake, here with my lovely co-host, Obi. <laughs> Greetings, hello. And Bowen. Once again, he's first. Why? Because. <laughs> Alright, look, if there's one thing we know about Obi, he always comes first, <laughs> okay? <laughs> now, enough talk about ejaculants. We also have a very special guest with us today, Mr. Matty C. What's up, brother? How you doing? Well, I'm just disappointed that I missed the ejaculates talk, really. That's <laughs> oh, oh. Okay. Um, well, you cut it off as soon as I come to a part where I actually have expertise on a hobbit. <laughs> seems... How you doing, guys? <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> Always a pleasure to have you, brother. Always. Um, yeah, how is everyone doing? Great. I'm awesome. Yeah. I'm vaping. Cause I'm cool. You're vaping. I'm a cool. Oh, that is, is is that a hobby confirmed? Vaping no. episode soon? No. No. Um. <laughs> yeah. So um. So most people know Matt, but not everyone. So Matt, tell us a bit about yourself, brother. What are you into? Oh. Uh, not not your browser history, just like your hobbies. Well, I just had it up. <laughs> see, that's the problem. All I know is filth. Uh. No, um, yeah, so I've been dipping and diving with a couple of you guys for a long time now. I've met on the Lorehammer mm-hmm. Discord, so I've done a lot of, a lot of pretending that I know what Warhammer is for about five years or so now, and I've managed to <laughs> pretend so well that I've been on a couple of podcasts, dipped and dived, done my bit, and now I'm on here to... I don't know, embarrass myself, I assume, about something that oh. isn't Warhammer <laughs> for a change. Oh, oh, how the mighty have fallen. You found yourself all the way in this gutter of the internet. Well, what can I say? <laughs> Look, I like, I'll... straight up related this... to that way too much. <laughs> yeah, this counts as char- charity work for me, as far as I'm concerned. Now, I'm going to write it off uh, uh, for my taxes at the end of the year. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, Excellent. he's been on Hobby Happy Hour, where he know how low it goes. Yeah, that's true. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it can't get any worse. So, prove me wrong. (laughs) We are going to prove you. We're going to prove you right that it can't get worse because it's going to get better. That's what we're going to do. Um, yeah. So, it's good to have you here, Matt. It's fucking awesome, bro. Now, what has everyone been up to this week with their hobbies? Obi, what have you been doing? Uh, I've been building some knights, of course. I've... I've got some of the Chaos Knight box. Uh, I built the two war dogs, made put some magnets on them, added some LEDs, and then I finished up making a Telemon for my custodies. I don't care what anyone says. Telemon sounds like a Digimon. <laughs> Cannot change my mind. Um, yeah, Bowen, what's going on with you, with you, brother? Um, brother man, huh? All right. Um, some big developments in Bowen land, um, this week in particular, as of, um, I believe it was the 1st of July, um, I am now officially in business. Mm, congratulations. Oh, you finally got your graphic design thing going, hey? I have my own freelance graphic design business, got that up and running, got my own domain, um, and I've already landed my first client. Wow, Ooh, hell yeah. awesome. Congrats. Yeah. Congratulations, bud. So that's fun. I, that's cool, man. I, I guess for you, you're lucky enough, like, your work is a kick-on from your hobbies. Like, you love your art and stuff like that you do, so 
you're lucky enough that like it's kind of hobby and kind of working, you know. So that's really rad. Well, it's why I picked yeah, graphic yeah. design because you know it's one of the most uh, sustainable art industries that you can really get into. You know, it's mm. it's a kind of industry where you can sort of itch that creative urge and yet still have money. You know. Yeah, no, that's that's cool, man. Congratulations, like big win, man. Very I'm excited gonna... for you, man. Is an artist with money an artist, though? I mean, that it <laughs> feels like that's antithetical to each other. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it really depends if it, if you're a painter or something with money, then probably not. No, right? Yeah, that's, that makes sense. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's like a musician, you know. Like if 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 you make billions, you've sold out. No one wants you anymore. You poor, good art, bro. <laughs> yeah, I like my artists oh, with a splash of uh, poverty. Brings out the creativity, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the sadness of you can the sadness of having to live off baked beans really makes you feel the anguish. Oh yes, I really like this art piece because I can see the the desperate like pain strokes because this has to pay for the rent. I can see it. It's so well done. <laughs> I can see that you've used paints from the dollar store. You must be good. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, Alright, what have you been up to, man? Have you got any hobbying done recently? Uh, yeah, I've been, been getting back into my Warhammer painting, trying to pick up some of the countless unfinished projects that I've got. I recently finished off a commission for some chick who wanted some pink Blood Bowl orcs. So I did that, managed to finish it, and I was like, maybe I could finish some of my own stuff. So yeah, I've been doing um, a couple of kill teams. I've got a pirate-themed orc kill team, and some Palantine Imperial Guardsman conversion kill team that I've been working through. So it's nice, been dipping and dabbing with my orange highlights, which sucks. Orange sucks to paint, <laughs> but yeah, enjoying it. Yeah, or- orange is a tricky one. You sort of got to build up from like a brown, almost like to, you know, to have that scale there. Yeah, so I get it. I went from a um, pink to a red to an orange to another orange to a yellow. So it's great having yeah. to do five coats for every single goddamn model. <laughs> it's funny actually too. For anyone that doesn't know, if you ever look at any of my models. And you look at the base and you go, gee, I really like that base. That's Maddie C right there, giving me inspiration. I remember when I first started my Space Marines, I'm like, what am I going to do? And Matt just like ran me through shit he's done for like an hour. And I'm like, I understand what I must do now. And now my bases are some of the coolest parts of my models. So Yeah, thanks. I'm really good at telling people yeah. what to do, just not doing it myself. <laughs> it's look, problem, that's okay, so. man. That's okay. That's why, you know, podcasts. <laughs> I'm more of a leader. Uh, Let's put it that way. <laughs> oh, cool. But yeah, so um, anyway, today we're going to be talking about tabletop RPGs. I don't know if I said that earlier, but that's what we're doing. And Are we? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I thought we're doing an episode. Up? I thought we're doing an episode on fucking bronies and stuff like that. Bro, you didn't get the flaming arrow shot through your window with like the, the note. No, it burned up. Oh, fuck! You should probably check your house. There might be a fire. <laughs> I think it's just a shit aim. Uh, if if you're the messenger, you got shit aim, my friend. 
It's the wrong house. Just Bones, <laughs> oh, no. Bones' next door neighbors just like had to fucking pull a flaming arrow out of their chest. <laughs> that would explain why my neighbor's house burnt down recently. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would explain yeah, that. Uh huh. Uh huh. It makes sense. Definitely not the macaroni they left on the stove. It's fine. How the fuck do you burn uh, macaroni that bad? <laughs> you ever seen when they, they just put it in? Just lights on fire. I gotta say, I can't wait for your hobby cooking episode, because the amount of time you boys spent talking about fucking noodles and, (laughs) like, macaroni. Oh, I can tell that you're culinary experts. Doesn't sound like any of you eat like a fucking poor student trapped at university. No, not at all. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Ah, so, right. Can anyone tell me what the fuck a tabletop RPG is? Well, not me specifically, but the listeners. Let me tell you, it is a role-playing game that you play on a table. You dipshit. <laughs> no need to be rude. All right. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so table, usually two or more people. All that sort of shit. Um, hmm. Yeah. Depends on the game. There are some usually you can... Two or more. There are some you can play on your own. Is there? Yes. Oh, I know I, uh, there's one called Arkham. It is a um, very uh, Cthulhu-esque and like you know that sort of mythos style game that you can. Obviously, it's better with more people, but you can play it on it like by yourself. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that's pretty sweet. Some of these games now have mechanics where it's just kind of you roll for something and then. It's almost like your choose the old choose your own adventure books from back in the mm. day. You know, they're kind of yeah. pre-organized yeah. things. But the dice decide for you. Yeah, so it still gives you that kind of replayability where you have chance to kind of um, redo things in a different way. If I roll a one at one point, I'm screwed. But if I roll a six, I'm fine. So you just go back and roll what you want until it's easy. I believe that's the way they're played anyway. That actually sounds pretty fun. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I, I, I also like playing with myself, so. <laughs> That's why I was on we here to talk about it, actually. That's my number one hobby. <laughs> no, look, we, we're going to talk about it later. we got a big old discussion bit. You can talk about how much you like to stroke your, your goat, whatever you guys call it. Awesome. In your part of the world. <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, yeah, so... Normally, the tabletop RPGs, they have a variety of settings, styles, that sort of shit. Like, it's not just like, oh yeah, it's all fantasy. Like, yeah, there is fantasy, but like, there's also, you know, dystopian future. I think there's Wild West stuff, like, and and you can make them in any setting you want as well. Like, you can write your own narrative and, like, steal the mechanics from another game. Whatever Mm. you want to do for the setting is possible. That's what I did in university. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You made one, didn't you, for uni? I, yeah, I had to make a tabletop RPG for a uni assignment. Oh, which, I what did you do? We made it. So we made um, it was called Cyber Age, right? And we made it so it was a medieval, like just strictly realistic medieval setting, and then this gate opens to a dystopian future where everything is controlled by this like Glados esque like computer, and then you would have your players go in, raid shit, and come back. 
Oh, and then I like you know, that. eventually your medieval people would be decked out with like futuristic technology or like a mix between the both. That sounds so dope. Still, I want to get a Viking. Have you still got a copy of that, Bob? I want to play yeah, I do, this. Actually. I want to have a Viking we with a tech knife. <laughs> yeah, I still I'm got the Rowie because because <laughs> yeah, we had to make a um, we had to make like a player book and everything, so it has rules and written everything for it. Hmm. That's cool. We should, we can give that a go sometime. That'd be fun. I'll have to see if I can find it, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Alright, Obi, do you want to say stuff? <laughs> He's being interrupted. <laughs> oh, no, never mind. Yeah, he um, is. He's uh, being tackled by big polar bears with massive nipples. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, Bowen, you can go. You can say some um, stuff. Things. I don't know. Have you guys heard of a little thing a few years ago from the year 2020 called Cyberpunk? Pretty underground. Not sure if you've heard of it. The video game, I should say. I heard that was really well received and probably the best game ever. No flaws. Yeah, actually. On the better timeline, no yeah. Yeah, definitely. No bugs. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure most people already know this, but... To the few, to the few people who probably don't, uh, that's actually based off the tabletop RPG called Cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. And mm. another fun fact: uh, the creator of said tabletop did assist in making that game. So that's, that's I actually, uh, yeah, I remember watching an interview with that guy. That was pretty interesting. So there's Oglorin's think- wacky fact. Oglorin's <laughs> <for the podcast. laughs> hijacked wacky fact. <laughs> Considering um, he has no, left he's, us. He's currently fighting for his life against polar bears. Okay, it's fucking rowdy yeah. and sweet. We get it. Um, um, but yeah, the thing with tabletop RPGs, uh, they differ from war games, right? Like, so... Yeah. You can introduce narrative to your Warhammer and, like, those sorts of games, but generally, they are mechanics for fighting. Whereas yeah. that is just an element of an RPG. The RPG, where it really comes in... <laughs> is your ability to role-play with narrative, character development, um, that sort of stuff, with combat taking a lesser role. It's yeah, a it combat-heavy feels... campaign, but it's not the same as rolling dice every minute in Warhammer. You know, I feel as if, um, for me personally, like, you know, when I've played, like, D&D and all that sort of stuff, like, I, I put more of an emphasis on the actual role-playing aspect. I found that to be a bit more enjoyable like the combat's fun obviously don't get me wrong um but it it's definitely a lot more fun if you can get a group of friends together and then you just like all role play your characters because you know uh blake you'd know for example uh we had one particular person who didn't role play at all and they were very boring yeah, yeah th- um, and yeah that's one of those things like when like you if you're just playing it as a game, it's not as fun. You might no. as well play Warhammer, you know? But, like, Warhammer is fun played just as a mechanic game. Yeah. Whereas D&D, any of those role-playing games, if you don't role-play, it's not as fun. Yeah. I think the, so, I yeah, think it's a good place to practice. It's one of those questions where it's, like, with Wargaming, it's, like, you have the rules to say, I do this. Whereas with, kind of, RPG settings, you have the rules to say... Why can't I? As in, why can't I do this? Like, it is very exactly. much, um, it's a perfect game for lawyers because it's all about finding loopholes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I, 
I remember actually um this campaign we were in, it was a two year long campaign. And we were like right up to the final boss and it was so hectic. And the only people who were still alive were my character, Bowen's character. So a barbarian and a rogue. And the enemy was flying above us or hovering above us like 10, 12 feet. And I've looked at Bowen, I've looked at DM and I'm like, I throw our rogue at the enemy above us. And he's like, you can't do that. I'm like, I'm a barbarian, dude. Bullshit strong. He's like 60 kilos. And he's like, okay. He's like, for this to work, Bowen has to, you have to roll a strength check and pass. Bowen has to roll an acrobatics check to stick the landing and he has to roll for the attack. The first one we fucked and Bowen took some damage. The next one, we actually fucking hit it. Like, it was fucking glorious. <laughs> like, it, just... It, yeah. It was the such a good way to like, end the battle as well, because, like, that was the final hit, too. No, 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 if you remember Kat's character, Deus Ex, marking it out of a portal, remember? She came back as, like, a, uh, like an undead thing or whatever. Because her soul went to that harpy queen or whatever it was. And she came through, and that was how we won. Because we had the third person, but yeah. Yeah, the best. It was, it was pretty hectic. It is the, the point is, you, is shit gets crazy. It's the best thing, like, to be able to work with your DM, where you say, I want to do this, and a good DM will say, okay, I'm going to try and work that out to how you can do this, yeah. but it still be fair in the gameplay dynamics, because that's the thing. You don't want to just completely eschew the rules, but the rules are there to be a kind of structure for you to bend and kind of work around. It is is a problem solver's game, you know, because this is the thing you're yeah. you're taking on the aspect of these ha- like these heroes who have to solve problems and fight quests and get to the end. So it does give you this first telly of um, well, if I can think of it, I should be able to do it. You know, is um treat the uh, treat the rules like physics, as in gravity and stuff. Like, okay, gravity's yeah. there, but I can still dick around with it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember we um, I think you remember this one, Bowen. Our DM Bevan he organized us to go into like this weird like temple, and we had this job where we had to move this solid gold donkey out of there, and it was like super heavy. No one could lift it. I could just push it as the barbarian. And I ended up saying, I had these javelins in my backpack. And I'm like, I lay the javelins down, one after another, just lift the donkey onto it, and I push the moving one after another, like they used to with the stones in, like, ancient times. He's like, that doesn't work. I'm like, why not? He's like, the wood would be crushed. I'm like, okay, let's look at crushing coefficients for wood. (laughs) So we're like, we're going through it. He's like, "What, what would it be made out of? I'm like, well, you know, historically... Like shield, uh, like shafts for spears and javelins are normally ash or oak. I'm like, so a hardwood. I'm like, so let's look at the crushing coefficient. He's like, yep. And then he figured out the rough weight of the donkey. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, yep, that would actually work, you son of a bitch. Fine. Fine. (laughs) You know, I feel as if we got blessed with our DM. He was always willing to work with us. You know, it was never. He'd always say no, but then you you just give him those little puppy dog eyes and he'd be like, oh, fine. And yeah. then you'd work something one, out. The worst one with Bevan isn't that, oh, fine. It's like, 
are you sure you want to do that? You're like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. It is kind of that thing, though, that the same thing you get with, like, improv, where it's, a, it's always yes and. So it's like, okay, yes, you can do this, but with kind of being a DM, is more like, yes, but. So it's like, right, yeah. you can do this, but you're going to have to, <laughs> yeah. you're going to have to give me something back, like a bit of give and take, you know? Yeah, and, uh, it, was, it was harrowing times. It was funny how how it started off as like just a uh, him being like, "Oh, you sure you want to do that?" You know, like because we were still new to the game. By the end of our campaign, like two years in, anytime he'd be like, "Are you sure?" We would be just swept with PTSD. It's like, oh <laughs> yeah. fuck, just sweating beads. Yeah, which is like, oh fuck, no, like, oh no. Uh. Um, right. something I did want yeah, to bring up go, real quick go. as well. Um, even though Warhammer is a uh, uh like a, a war game on the tabletop, uh, there are versions of Warhammer that are more closer to D and D as well. So you yeah. Yeah, you know sure. you can find um like a lot of people post their campaigns and like custom stuff they've done on the internet. So it's not really hard to come up with some cool stuff. Mm. You know, like, uh, a lot of people forget- have posted some Warhammer-style, like, 40k D&D games. And I'm sure Matt Moby would know about this. There is actually one set there already official from GW. Oh, so right? you have Dark Heresy, which was the old style, which was a D100 dice pool. So basically, you were kind of rolling percentages of what you would get. So I roll a D100, and if I get a 90 or a 90 or an 80 or something, I have a very high success rate. If I roll a ten, I'm probably screwed. Um, but they had a, yep. they recently kind of re-released with their new section, which was Wrath and Glory, which was a D6 dice pool. And the interesting thing with that is you would have a Wrath dice as a kind of character player, and the DM would have a Ruin dice. So it was kind of one of those things where if you roll a six on your kind of Wrath dice something special would happen so you might you might have succeeded or you might have failed sorry but you get a six on your wrath dice so then it became a kind of conversation between you and your dm to what that wrath dice meant so for example i've missed my shot but because i've hit on a wrath maybe that shot is hitting air canister in the hull of a fucking in the hull of a spaceship so now it's releasing yeah. like a nitrous oxide kind of thing onto the guy and his fingers freeze up. So he has disadvantage on his next kind of shot. So it was a re- yeah, yeah. it was designed to kind of um to make the character invest into the narrative, which I thought was a really good thing. And I've I've written That's my cool. own campaigns for kind of um 40k and stuff like that. Stuff that I've not been able to play, but stuff where you can really get kind of for me, it was a great way to work on lore because I was just like, right, I have this idea. How are people going to get from one point to the other? You have to, obviously in the 40k setting, you have to be able to restrict a little bit. You can't have people just going everywhere because it just gets a bit wild. So like planet to planet from one session to one session, it gets untenable really. So you have to... You have to use the rules and not be 
an asshole about it, which for me, I mean, you guys know me, I find that incredibly difficult at all times because <laughs> I am a major... Hey, Matt, your asshole's showing. I am a major <laughs> asshole. I'm basically a human asshole just walking around, so... That's true. For me, he, is, he is a big chocolate starfish. Real difficult. <laughs> Uh, Obi, I'm, I'm glad you're back drenched in blood from finding that uh, polar bear with your nipples. Are you okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, you know, didn't, I had to avoid the nipples, you know. Yeah, yeah. Are yeah. You, is, did you strike him down with your imperi- in, inferior? Inf- better nipples, that's what I'm after. Uh, obviously, um, yes. At first, I, I softened him up with a little bit with my dreadlocks, so. Ah, ah. Well, I, I was looking for the word superior. There we go. Right. Thanks, brain. Yeah. Real cool. Um, Obi. Can you think of a few things that we would need if we were going to start playing a tabletop RPG? Yeah, you know? there's a, a, fair di- a few different amount of things that we're going to need here. Um, well, the first would be a rule book, I would say, just to get yourself yeah. familiarized with all the rules. Um, yeah. It will also give you some monster guides in there. And, and, you know, you can, like we just discussed, you can pick this in any genre you want, like Warhammer, or if you want to do fantasy stuff, or... Uh, yeah. Yeah. You can go as crazy as you want with it. You can make your own everything, or you can go, we're just going to play this one from this page in the D&D book, and that's what we're going to do. Yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. how you acquire those rule books is none of our business. <laughs> yeah. None. Exactly. Okay. Uh... I'm not yeah, sure how many else. other um, like tabletops do it. I've seen D and D do it quite a lot, um, but they have quite a few like starting packs, if you will, where it's just like a big box, and it comes. I, I think it comes maybe even with some miniatures. Not too sure on that, but it comes with like a monster guide, a player handbook, mm. yeah. you know, item, um, like an item book as well. You know, pretty much all the essentials you'd need to basically kickstart a campaign really yeah Yeah. i will say one of the issues with these bigger kind of more well-known um tabletop rpgs so your starfinder your pathfinder your dungeons and dragons is a lot of it is broken up into different books so for example getting started on dnd you would need a player handbook for yourself and then your DM would need a Dungeons Master's Guide and then a Monster Manual, which are they can all be about £30 books. And then if you want to spend on a specific campaign, you're looking at campaign books as well. But a lot of these newer ones, so for example, kind of your Call of Cthulhu or Delta Green, which is kind of your 1970s hard-boiled detectives looking out for eldritch horrors and you have to roll insanity scores at the end of every mission and kind of stuff like that a lot of those will be more kind of self-contained into them or even um what westlands something like that is the wild west kind of magical western shoot <laughs> sorry western shooter kind of god damn what was that it's kind of uh, what the fuck was that? I, I've not. I've, Holy emperor! I've not talked. <laughs> I thought I, I thought I could talk my way through it, but I've not talked to another human being in so long. I forgot. <laughs> I, I, I thought you pretended to like you <gasps> down with the sickness impersonation. Like, <laughs> yeah, standard. Um, 
Yeah, so the spicy cough cool. will do that to you. It's fine. Cool. We have all been there. Sorry. That's gonna be my new fucking rule now. If I'm trying to talk my fucking like talk out my ass with the client, I'm just gonna fucking do that. Like, yeah. oh yeah, oh blah blah blah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm white and I drank a sprite earlier, so it's a little bit spicy. His mayonnaise is spicy. Yeah, too hot oh, for me. Oh, I had a funny. vanilla ice cream and I burned my mouth. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Yeah. The other thing is too, um, you definitely need uh, some players. Um, you know, like we said, some RPGs you can play on your own, but most of them want at least two people minimum. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think yeah, the fun factor also increases with more people because you know Absolutely. you'll think this way, but that guy he'll think differently. So we'll make some interesting interactions there. So yeah, yeah. Well, it's just like that thing. Like you know, you have a podcast with one person, it's usually okay, but then like. You have a lot of people on, it's a lot more intended because everyone has takes on things and they interact and it's the best. So um do that. If you don't know anyone, like any of your friends that are in the D D, um, either coerce them into it, um, <laughs> you know, like, hey, come on. Or another good way is um gaming stores. Like if you just go to your local gaming store if you have one. Um, you know, you can meet people there. Maybe they have a campaign running already, maybe they're looking for a campaign. Um, yeah. Or online. Yeah, you, know, you, can, you can rope people. Yeah, dis- you know, discords. Discord, stuff like that. Yeah, people are always looking for people to play with. DMs are always looking for one shot teams. But is um when you're getting your friends and they know nothing about, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, and they're like, but that game for nerdy virgins who play in their basement, you can be like, yeah, but I don't have a basement. So let's That's just right. play in the kitchen. It's in my garage. <laughs> let's just play in the kitchen instead. Like everything else is factual, but is um yeah. So kind of uh, if you bring them into that, and I've had people like for me, I was always in this kind of stigma where I was like, huh, RPGs. I'm sorry, I'm not gonna dress up in my bathrobe, wear a traffic cone on my head, and start slinging spells. But I think you really get into this kind of um. When you get people in there and it's kind of about taking the pressure off of them. Like you don't have, when they're there and like a lot of people focus on like, I'm going to have a silly voice. And then they're so focused on the silly voice that they don't actually understand what they're saying half of the time. It's just like, use your regular voice. It's fine. It's okay. You don't have to like, you know, you don't have to put too much effort in. You just have to put in the engagement. You know, it shouldn't feel like work yeah. because I think that's what stands in a lot of people's way. Yeah, that's very true. And well, I think when you do it that way, it can be very approachable. You know, like it all seems sort of like big and scary, but it's not. You just, especially if you've got a good DM like like me and Bonds that we had, it's pretty easy. Um, yeah. What else do you need, guys? Some you also again it would come with most starter packs for presumably any tabletop, but if not, um, you can just do what we did and just found a picture of them and printed them out. Uh, you're gonna need some fucking player sheets to keep track of all your items and all your stats and all your different attributes and stuff like that. Um. And then if you are playing, say, a mage or anyone that can use magic, you'll have usually a second sheet just dedicated to all your spells and what they, well, like what dice you need to roll for them and stuff like that. 
Um, a lot of those sheets also have, uh, what is it, like, you know, your backstory and stuff like that. Um. Yeah. They also have your, your, uh, what's the word, your standing, like, if you're, like, lawful good or chaotic evil. Yeah, alignment. Oh, alignment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which, which makes me laugh, because in our first campaign, our, our DM didn't give a fuck about, you know, our alignment. That's the word, our alignment. <laughs> and you never needed to until you happened. And then I mm-hmm. committed essentially war crimes in D&D, and he was like, Bo, look, I don't usually care about this sort of shit, but I, I have to, I have to do something about this. I can't let that go. Like, what the fuck? He's, yeah. he's like, bro, you just... He's like, dude, you just interrogated and mercilessly slit the, the throats of 20... Like of Santa's elves when they didn't even speak your language, <laughs> and your <laughs> and your lawful <laughs> your lawful good as well. It's like no, eh. yeah. I feel like stuff like that is is kind of a good driver for people to pick up the personality of the character as well because mm. you find a lot of a lot of first timers go for like I'm chaotic good, so which basically means mm. I'm gonna do whatever I want. As long as it works out in the end. And some DMs can be a real stickler for kind of alignment and stuff. I prefer to be more invested in it than less invested. Just because I feel like it can it can create really interesting dynamics. Where it's kind of like, for example, like paladins, you know, who are meant to like kind of follow a strict code. And then you see them and they're like, I'm going to steal this gem. And they steal the gem and then afterwards their powers don't work because they've screwed around <laughs> with their god. It's like, no, you dicked up there, son. You're going to have to go in a tone. So, um, yeah. yeah, it was like in our campaign when I, <laughs> when I fell to chaotic evil, one of the other characters um, in the campaign was just like, I don't like you. Yeah. You're evil. <laughs> or, or and to be like, fair, like... They'll try and sorry? kill you after that. Like, yeah. Yeah, she generally did try, if I remember correctly. Or she said she was going oh, was that, to. Was that was that the tiefling? Yeah. No, it's Oh, Cat's one, right. Yeah, Kat, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that was funny, though. It, I, the other thing was when you started, like, getting out of hand, and every time you'd go to Stazon, Cat would just use, like, heat metal on your weapon, and you, you'd cop damage because your weapon would fall out of your hand. Yeah. Like, it's just fun times. And you know, I started off as the whole... Um, the edgy rogue, uh, kill everything, murder hobo, yeah. sort of thing. I don't um, work but well then, like, with others. Yeah. Um, Ugh. but then, like, that's fine, but, like, it just got boring. Yeah. It just got, like, way too boring, so, like, I just, I had a chat with our DM on the side, and I was like, hey, I wanna, I wanna start a new character, and then integrate them into the story. So, which, like, he was, he was all cool for it, and I made another rogue, um, that was more focused on magic. Um, but I had him make, I made him be like slightly insane. So like, he was basically he, Deadpool. I was, I was like a rogue Deadpool in D and D. So like, they'd Which be trying to, funny. they'd be trying to get into fights and stuff like that, or just starting combat. And then he'd get to like me, and he's like, "All right, what are you doing, Bone?" It's like I'm painting a picture. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was fun. Um. Yeah, so, um, I think another thing you really need when you do this is, yeah, just imagination. You know, like, don't just go, 
I roll my dice. Blah, blah, blah. Expand upon it. Have crazy shit that your character's done. You know, like, just imagine things. Having a very visual mind is so good for this. Mm. You know, like, imaginative solutions, like Matt said. This is a thinking game where it's like, if you can think of it, and it can be implemented, it probably will be. Like, that's the best way to play. I feel as if also writing, like, a character backstory is really cool as well. Just because it gives context to your character and why they're in the situation they're in. And, like, for me personally, especially if you go, like, really into it, it can be, honestly, just as fun as the actual game. Yeah. Yeah. And it's nice to kind of um, take into account what you're actually doing as well. Like, if you're a level one guy and you're coming in as a level one, you can't be like, well, my guy had already killed 12 gods before he's already come here. And it's like, well, why is he so shit now? And he can barely <laughs> hold a sword. Like, one of, yeah. one of the most fun characters I ever did was for an evil campaign where it was, like, completely non... I decided I wanted my combat to be basically, like, the most evil person I knew. So I went directly for politician. Um, so he was very much kind of, kind of very high skills in deception and persuasion when it came to a fight he basically sucked but as soon as he started a fight he would disappear anyway and let other people deal with it kind of (laughs) it was all 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 very much subterfuge and like but i had my own goals in mind for that guy where i was like well no i want to like he was a cleric so his whole kind of idea was well, I'm going to assassinate a load of priests in secret and I'm going to undermine the whole religion of this town and make them just crumble into themselves because now they have no faith system. And, like, the like these kind of things, like, make it personal to yourself. Like, obviously, focus on the campaign and what you're doing with the team. You can still have these kind of underlying separate... Like, think of it like when you're playing any video game, you can have these side quests that will... You know, in a video game, they give you better gear, but these ones, like, they give you, like, this kind of satisfaction of, like, ha, I destabilized a town, and I did it without any of the other party members knowing about it. And it's just, (laughs) it could be real sweet. That's the best. That's the best. Yeah, I think writing, like, like really good backgrounds and everything, just make sure you don't go too much into it either, because, you know... One bad dice roll could mean that your character dies the first game you play in the first hour too. Yeah. So you, that you... <laughs> yeah, that's that's why you always make it that your character is actually a twin. Yeah. And you just didn't disclose it to anyone. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm a brother of seven, exactly the same as each other. Yeah. No, oh, how yeah, convenient! That's... There's like an infinite amount of twins as my character. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And I, I am Alfarius. And I think the best thing is you can always change your backstory the further you go in. So if something like happens, like you get into this fight with this shady character, just speak to your DM and be like, hey, that shady character, could that have been a guy from my past who's like mm-hmm. come back to get retribution? And then he might be like, oh, that's dope. I'm going to turn that into a story, you know, like about this, this, and this. I, I think a lot of people, there are two ways of playing these tabletop RPGs, which is like the players against the DM, which I always feel is the worst way to play, or the players with the DM to make a good story. Yep. You know, because yep. if the DM Funny, wants so to kill you, you that, he'll kill you. 
my goal in the campaign we had, I was a dragonborn, and my goal was always to have a mountain of treasure, because, you know, dragon, and the other one was my guy was always obsessed with dinosaurs and starting his own Jurassic Park. And he got both of those things by the end of the campaign. It didn't look like he was gonna, but by the end of the campaign, I had an Allosaurus to ride into battle, and it was fucking amazing. (laughs) It was just glorious. Well, it's really, um, it was really, uh, speaking of what uh, Matt was just saying, actually, that's exactly what I did with my two rogue characters. Like, when I made my new one, yeah. the whole sort of point of that character is like, you know, because even though you don't have to, you know, it's kind of cool when individual characters have their own goals in mind that just so happen to line up with whatever quest you're on. And, like, I made it so this other rogue's goal was to kill my old one. You know, and then like yeah. I kind of left the rest up to a, a, like the DM, and I was like, "You choose when, but this is what I want to happen." Yeah, and then your DM yeah. like has this whole new story arc that he can like write in. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it can be. I was basically a forever DM, is what you call it when you seem to run every campaign. And for me, I enjoyed that. I got really into it. I I had a book where I drew out the whole map of the island and then the map of individual towns. I was trying to find it earlier. If I can find it, I'll send some pictures through. And then I had numbered markers for notations where I knew where everything was and who was working in this building and kind of doing this thing. I didn't, because the thing is you don't want to, you don't want to plan the story, but you want to plan the setting. Because if you can build an yeah. interesting setting where you know where everything is going on, it's just up to the characters to interact with it. And if I know they're going to this pub and the guy in there is like awesome and he's super helpful, or they go to the other pub and the guy in there is a dick and he's really mm-hmm. going to screw them over, I don't have to do any work. It's already written and it just depends yeah. on what they've you chosen. Know that. Yeah, very true. Very true. Alright, well, um, aside from, what have we got? Uh, a playing board can also be super helpful. It can be as simple <laughs> as a piece of paper with some grids on it, or, um, just a big bit of, like, that sort of, like, whiteboard material with stuff on it. Yeah. Just so, yeah. visual, you know, you can, you don't even need miniatures. You can get them if you want, but, like, squares of paper with your name written on them. Yeah. Work too. If you're playing on, you know, online there are systems like Roll20 and stuff like that where you can di- oh, yeah. download maps and you're playing across the map and stuff like that. So those can be... And they're graded out anyway, so they can be really good. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Obi, do you want to do some stuff, man? Yeah, <laughs> I don't really have much to say in all of this because I have, like, zero <laughs> experience in role-playing. That's okay. Oh, now, you know how, now you know how we <laughs> feel sometimes. <laughs> What's um, an Adeptus Custard? <laughs> I was going to say as well, if you want to make life easier for yourself as a DM, you can also buy those like specific boards as well that like block out so people, like your players can't see what you're doing and it also just so happens on the other side to have like all the basic information you need Yeah, and stuff like that. A lot of cheat sheets on the back of them, what they need to be working oh, yeah. against and yeah, it does make life easy. Sweet. All right. As you were, Obi. <laughs> yeah. Uh, talking about some pros of playing uh, a tabletop role-playing game. Uh, we mentioned a little bit before. It's it's really great, and 
creative way to make a character and and decide their quirks um you know and write the backstory of course what they've done what they've been through what they want to do with their mission in life i guess um, <laughs> and forgive me if i'm wrong Obi, but do you do this when you create models as well because i know i do like when you make say your knights for instance and you sculpt each one of them to be different do you come up with a little narrative for why that is that way? I've been trying to, yes. And I've been trying to figure it out while I'm going. And I'm I'm usually like, I've got an idea of what the model looks like. And then I'll just try and fit it to like a Chaos God or something in some way or another. Yeah. Um, because my knights are chaos. Yeah, they're really cool too. I like that yours aren't like icky chaos though. They're like pretty chaos if that makes sense yeah yeah like i don't have an yeah. an over like it's it's like kind of in this phase because some of them aren't really chaosy at all because they're sort of like in this transition phase of going from imperial to the chaos so it's just a way for me to clarify that i kind of want to play both sides uh, without <laughs> I've heard, too much I've heard, problem I've, I've heard that about you <laughs> I would describe your That's models true. as chaotic good. Yes! <laughs> exactly. Like that ass. Um, oh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, cool. Uh, Bo, you want to get that one? Um, it is a great escape of everyday life where you get to exist and put yourself into a world where it is far from our own, which is fun. And yeah. also, uh, certain musical artists that will not be named aren't there. No, nah, there's Drake. Drake doesn't exist in that world. <laughs> Fuck Drake. <laughs> so, pretty much, it's where you want to be, really. Yeah. I read that no, as Drake. Dragon. Wow. <laughs> oh, I was like, but no. dragons don't exist in this world. Oh! oh that- I think they, uh, there are dungeons only dungeons. Yeah. <laughs> it's dungeons and Drake. <laughs> yeah. Drake's and dungeons. Uh, <laughs> um, another really good thing about it is like it's sort of like a video game in a way, but like without the screens, you know. So like if you work in an office all day and all you do is like screens, and like all we do is have screen time. It gives you that sort of fun of like being on a journey and that sort of stuff and the role playing element without having to be glued to a screen. You can be in a room with actual friends and people and screen to, like face to face time. You know. Yeah, I've always. And that's really. I've always said it's it. Really wholesome. It's like a video game, but with unlimited buttons to press. You know what yeah. I mean, you don't have. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Like looking like a polar bear over there. No, yeah. but um, yeah, it's kind of like uh, you don't have these set roots or set hotkeys that you need to press. It's kind of like yeah. you, know, you can you can do anything. There's no there's no limitation. Yeah, it's like it's a lot of these games around where like oh you have like so many different options to choose from the dialogue, but in the end the dialogue won't really change the path you're on. Yeah. So yeah, whereas in D and D it fucking will <laughs> like. I remember I lost, um, I think it was half of our, uh, party. I lost half of our souls to a, to a demon. Just because I, I opened my mouth and I shouldn't have. I just spoke. 
and I fucked it for us. <laughs> and like everyone was low key mad, and I was like, guys, it's just a, it was just a game, but it was so funny that like it just it just changed the narrative direction <laughs> so much. Just because I'm like, oh, you with this guy, and I'm like, oh no, he told us not to be noticed. Yeah, I got We're fucked. I got into real problems where I accidentally someone summoned a demon, and then he wanted my soul for some reason. Like, did this whole Jack Sparrow thing where I was like, why would you want just one when I can get you ten? <laughs> um, it's kind of like I had to go around didn't collect any souls and then got cast into an older dimension where I was stuck in a chandelier for the rest of my life so technically <laughs> technically I won is what I want people to take from that story we had the funniest thing in the campaign right because like typically when you think of a barbarian in a D&D campaign you don't think of them as like traveling dimensions or anything like that like they're just they're just there to fight people my barbarian went to i think four or five different dimensions and he only had the party with him on about two of them (laughs) like the amount of times i got locked in a pocket dimension and somehow either my buddies got out got me out or i got out myself was ridiculous. I was like a plain walking barbarian. Yeah. <laughs> and then how many circles of hell did we go through as well? <laughs> so many. I got into a bar fight at a tiki bar there. <laughs> it was, yeah. No, it was good. Like, um, the other the other cool thing as well, like, again, Dungeons and Dragons have their own line of specific models for, you know, uh, character classes. Um, they have some monsters as well, I believe. Um, and you can, you know, get into painting them just like you would a Warhammer model. Um, yeah. or you could do what we did and we had access to a 3D printer and we just printed mm. up loads upon loads upon loads of, can I, can I be completely honest, like useless shit, but we somehow fucking fitted it in. Yeah, but it was always fun, you know, and we would actually have like mad working bee nights where we'd all hang out, and instead of having a session of D&D, like, if a DM was busy or whatever, we'd all just paint for the night. Like, all of us just hang out in the room, tunes on, we'd get pizzas, whatever, and it was just the best time with your friends, you know? Really good time. So, yeah. Um, but like with anything, there is cons as well. You know, there are some shit things. Um, not many, because, you know, hobbies are great, but... There are a few. Um, and for me, the number one thing that I found was that trying to organize people's schedules to line up and be in the same place at the same fucking time as adults is so hard. You know, like, I'm a night shift worker. Bowen's a day shift worker. People study. But it's, like, hard especially, to do sometimes. Especially getting to this age as well, because I was in a long campaign and then one of my, uh, I think it was the DM, selfishly decided to have three children. And <laughs> I was just like, well, what what the hell, bro? Now you've, what, you've got to raise kids? You can't spend time with your boys rolling dice? Can't so, even uh, raise right. me. What if you're going to raise kids? Yeah, exactly, right? Like, Right? How am I going to raise like, my level if you're raising children? You can't even fight a troll. How are you meant to be able to take care of a child? Idiot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You couldn't even fight one goblin. They're gonna raise three. Fuck. Standard, but, yeah. So it can. It can definitely. Um. You know, life gets in the way of everything. But yeah. What are these things? Yeah, I think one of the cons 
for me is that um, it, it's gonna be hard to get into is is the time investment as well because some campaigns can take you a long time to get through and I'm a busy man. I got a, st- a lot of stuff to do, so um, yeah, yeah. I think it, it depends on how you plan them. Like you could plan up like a lot of things in uh, the RPG world. We do one shots. Yeah. For the reason of this, so it's a very simplistic thing. Like the bartender has been kidnapped by a dog man. Like <laughs> now you have to go and get the dog man's bone from the cave, so he's happy. And it's like, you know, like can we do a one shot with a bad guy's cat dog? <laughs> Please. That's definitely definitely doable. Cat poop. How does cat dog work when he can't poop? <laughs> it turns you into the poop. Oh, no. You must just have oh, like a funny. black hole in the middle of him or something. So Honestly, like, that's what just goes through there didn't or something. Didn't they have that one episode where they showed the internals of Cat Dog? Because car- like cartoons back in the day used to just be twisted as hell anyway. It was like mm. they showed that like and they were trying to get separated like Siamese twins. It's like <laughs> okay. That's how you end up with people like us by having cartoons like that. Yeah, standard. <laughs> and even SpongeBob. SpongeBob looks innocent until like you watch half an episode, and it's like an extreme close-up of his eyes bulging with like bloodshot shit, and you're like, "This is fucked." Like Ren, Ren and Stimpy. Whereas oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely nightmare fuel. <laughs> my my dear old nan, she um she was pretty cool. Like she was a rad nan, loved her heavy metal. But like when we were kids, she fucking hated Ren and Stimpy. She was like, it's it's just a large form of humor. Little did she know South Park would exist soon. The poor thing. <laughs> <laughs> to, to her last day, South Park and Ren and Stimpy were the banes of her existence. No, the best the best one was um, Courage the Cowardly Dog. It yeah, still, still yes. holds up to this very oh, day. I love courage. It's so good. Yeah. Stupid dog, you made me look bad. Love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, a shit thing could also be, I don't know, for me personally, I'm not an honest side. I'm not very good with mathematics, to be perfectly honest. Um, so when you're in the thick of a battle and you're taking damage and this and that and that and this, it can be a little bit hard to keep track of, like, how much points you got left, man. Um, especially when you got more health points than you do fingers and toes. <laughs> um, so, I recommend just having your phone there with the calculator ready, you know, so you can just, like, keep it on the fly, write it down when you need to. That's what I did. Um, or you can be a fucking yeah. chad and just do the math on the fucking paper, you fucking pussy. Is it? Oh, uh, I mean, yeah, that that's true. It's when you get to like your level twenty, like rogue or something, and it's like you do a backstab with your magical knives, and suddenly it's like, well, it's it's twenty d ten times by two plus four d six of poison damage, and like you're yeah. you're there going, I just don't want to stab it. I'll just <laughs> let's let the I bad guy knife. win. Yeah, <laughs> I, I throw the knife into the wall. It's fine. Do I want to calculate the damage, or do I want to cuddle him and talk about his fears yeah. and his shortcomings and hope that he chills out a little? Oh, I stab myself in the head. 
<laughs> I show him my yeah. pocket sand. Yeah. <laughs> He's blinded and I run away. <laughs> Obi, can you please promise me that if we ever do a one shot together, you will take pocket sand as an inventory item? <laughs> just have a fucking bag of holding and it's just filled with sand. <laughs> just, just pour a sand Do you remember what my character had instead of pocket sand? Bacon. He had a bacon pouch. He took cooked bacon with him everywhere. And I remember somebody got stabbed and was dying. I think it was the king. I'm like, I'll look after you. I'm like, keep pressure on there. I felt like these two bacon rashes over his wound. And everyone thought I was the dumbest fucker. Like, the whole party was just like head in hand, fucking dumb barbarian. Until we got stuck in the Feywilds. Randomly. We'd never been there before. And we met this, uh, I think it was the water nymph, they called it. Um, met that there. And I gave her bacon. She showed us the way out as long as I promised to bring her more bacon at one point. And, like, we got out of a dimension we were trapped in. Because I carried bacon in my pocket. And, like, perfect. Yeah. Perfect DMing right there. As a, like, okay, my barbarian carries this thing. How do we use that? Like, no, oh, cannot give him enough credit for that. Yeah, it's one of those things, like, obviously, things like this have so much deep lore anyway, and especially with Dungeons and Dragons, if you look into the back lore and stuff, like, for example, the Feywilds, it's one of those things where if you accept food or water off of anyone, you're inherently owing them a debt, which creates a magical binding contract, so if they offer you food or water... You can screw over your characters by like, oh, well, now you're in a magical contract. And he can ask you to go and assassinate someone. Or like... Yeah, you know, really? Yeah, there are... There, because there's like such... Because it's a mystical plane and stuff. So you can really get like granular when you look into the kind of... The back lore of these things. And I always find that really interesting. Like a little bit of research goes a long way. Wasn't there a That's thing with the... Um... I never actually... Wasn't there a thing with yeah. the Feywilds as well? When you leave, like, I know for us, um, we had to do, like, a roll when we were leaving the Feywilds because time flows differently there. So you had to, like, do a roll to see... I think there was one roll to see if you'd be affected by it or not, and if you were, you had to do another roll to see how far in the future you went. Yeah, so you could, yeah. you could either come out really far in the future, or you could come out and you've aged by 20 years by passing through. So now your strength has gone down, but your wisdom goes up, maybe. And <laughs> yeah, there's some there's some real fun things that you can do. But it's like I said, is RPGs is what you put in directly correlates with what you get out of it. You know. Mm, yeah, for sure. Yeah, cool. And and the other thing is a shit con. Um, if you have a lackluster GM or DM, um, you're probably not gonna have the best time. As long as they're okay, you'll be fine. But like, if they're just really like, yeah, I'll roll the dice. Just no creativity to it. Yeah. You might not have as much fun. Yeah, exactly. This but is... you know, anyone that actually wants to play will probably do a pretty good job. Like, as long as they can form a story, you know. This is why I think your best experience when it comes to tabletop games would be with your friends. To be honest, like, just from the way I look at it personally. Um, you know, say you go to, like, a random game shop, right, and, you know, they have, like, games of D&D &D and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, that's cool. 
you know, it makes them more accessible, but you don't really know what those people are like, you know, and you don't know if, like, they're going to be, like, those sticklers to the rules where it's like, oh, I want to do this, and, like, no, you can't do that. Yeah, I think... But build- why? Is, I think with with that is kind of building a rapport, you know, and with your friends and stuff, you already have this kind of, like, natural rapport that you've built over time, so you can kind of, you know where their levels are at, and you know kind of what's going on with this, this, and this, and let's face it, some some players as well, like, it can be a drag with some players, because they'll, they'll be an asshole, and it's not, yeah. and they'll be like, well, that's my character, and it's like, no, it's not your character, it's you being an asshole, and then blaming it on your character, mm. so stop being an asshole, kind of thing. So, like, <laughs> the one thing I can't fucking stand, and Bold alluded to this earlier, we had one person in our campaign who would like not roleplay at all. And she would look to other people in the party to make the decisions, which is fine. Okay, you, you knew you're going to have roleplay, fine. But she'd look to us and then me, it'd always be me or Kat that would make the decisions. And then she'd get really upset and angry that we didn't make the decisions she wanted. And I'm like, man, if you want to make those decisions carry the torch and like you make the decisions we'll back you you know like don't get mad because other people are actually role playing you're leaving it in their hands like it's just poor form that's just being a shit person not a shit character you know don't be a shit cunt pretty much yeah (laughs) but uh yeah so that's pretty much I think all the natives besides that it's pretty fucking great um yeah, so, now, Matt, I know that this is your GBGM. Mm-hmm. Um, just for people that are sort of newer to this, what are some p- things that they can do to make a narrative engaging or a character feel sort of authentic and like they could actually exist rather than just like filled in and tick boxes on a sheet? Like, how do you take that to sort of that level of actually feeling lived in? I think... <sighs> One of the, one of the issues. So, when it comes to making a narrative engaging as a DM, that's kind of it is your job. Realistically, like your players have to work with you, but it's kind of your job to kind of bring the realism. So, I've always said like you know, preparation, aspirations, and then persp- perspiration. So if you got a planet, you got to think about it and what you want, and then you got to sweat for it a little bit. So you really need to kind of if you're if you're gonna put something down that you're unsure of, it makes it so you're having to do a lot of work on the fly, and people can tell that you know. So it, it becomes easier to make mistakes. So, like I said, I would make complete maps. I would have it all planned out. I would know the names of the people who were going there. I made like if I had I had a fortune teller one, so I designed my own tarot cards. I have playing cards, sprayed them all black, painted all of the pictures on the front, learned how to read a tarot deck, and then when my guys were there, I could actually sit down with them, give them something, put it in front of their hands, like, and you know, for me that was fun because I didn't know what cards they were going to pick, but. I knew enough about it and I knew enough about their characters that if they picked up the death card, I could like, I saw the look on their face where they're like, oh shit, 
And then, but I could still like plan that into my mind of kind of, well, this is what this means. So I'm going to have it lead into this. So, you know, I think putting, putting the physicality in there is a really good way. Like I used to make maps, dunk them in tea, like burn the edges, roll them up, put them into parchment and stuff, you know? So like stuff like that, people could, people pick up on that and they really do see it. So I think, but I mean, it is, it's give and take. It's only going to be engaging to your character if they feel like they have some sort of ownness over what they're doing. We, we like, even in real life, we like to have a certain part of control, even though the world is chaotic and wild and realistically we can't really do a lot. If an asteroid hits the Earth, you know, I can't really do a lot about it but I like to feel control of certain things. So kind of working, it's this team effort of everyone working with each other to try and make a cohesive story. And, you know, accepting kind of, well, maybe my character dies, but maybe that's not a bad thing because it leads to this, this, and this. No. Mm. You can um, have a storyline in the in the ghost realm or the next yeah, dimension or something uh, like that. And... I when I was a DM, I used to kill off characters all the time, like you know. And a lot of DMs won't do it. They'll kind of give the kind of you know, like I I would I had one where a demon had killed. He had basically killed the character, and then he said to the character who he killed, like, right, you're basically trapped in here pick who else I'm going to drag into hell with me. So I made the character choose which other character from the team <laughs> they were going to screw over. And like, is is really nice because you can like, you can feel the pain that runs <laughs> through them. Like, and I'm just, I'm just there like rubbing my hands together <laughs> like an evil villain. Pick one! Kind of, all this kind of stuff. So like, you know, that makes engagement. But then, if I'm going to do something like that, which is technically a little bit unfair, in my mind, and what I had planned out was I had a separate campaign for those two characters, because I knew that we would be missing character, we would be missing players for a couple of weeks afterwards. So I knew I could do something yeah. separate from the story, and you know, it is this kind of forethought, but if the players didn't tell me that they were missing a couple of weeks... I wouldn't be able to do that. So, mm. and then it's kind of like, well, we can't play anymore because we're screwed. So, yeah, is is this I give and take? I remember um, we had someone that was like, it worked out that they had to have some time off anyway, but they happened to die in the session beforehand. And um, we Bevan put us on this whole side quest of like, if we wanted to bring them back to life, we had to actually take their like their remains to a church and do like a whole side quest to bring them back, and it was like by the time that was done, their uni block or whatever was done, and they could come back. Yeah, you know, but it was just like a session or two of like that sort of stuff, and then they came back. Yeah, and yeah, it's I think that's really important, and like remembering where dots connect, I think is really good for making a world feel lived in and not railroaded. Right, because as a DM and as a player as well, as a DM, it's very easy to railroad your people towards one set place. Yeah. Right? But that doesn't make it feel like a cohesive 
world that you're in. And as a player, it's very easy to railroad towards that place too. Just like, no, we're going here. We're going to do this task. Fight this person. Fight that person. Beat that person. Yeah. But like, you know, if you're not taking time to do shit like, you know, go hat shopping or like uh, my character as a barbarian was illiterate, right? So him and um, the high elf, our bard, Malave, the cat's character, he was, a, you know, obviously a bard, so very well spoken, educated. But they had this awesome bromance that developed in game. Um, and Malave actually taught Jason the basics of reading. So, like, you know, it was the whole thing. Like, the other characters were off doing their own thing. Like, I think one character was founding their own guild, and Bowen's character was off doing shady fucking shit off to the side. And my character was just hanging out reading. And then that came into it later, because there was times where I actually had to read. Because there's no one else around. I had to, like, say a word or whatever, you know? So, that made it feel like we weren't playing a straight line narrative, but an actual inhabiting world yeah and i think that that made it much more impactful like that campaign ended what over a year ago bowen well and truly and i still think about it all the time that narrative stuck with me yeah 100 you percent. know yeah it's about 100%. rewarding people for stuff like that as well you know if you're a dm reward your players for their engagement if you're a player reward your dm for his engagement you know like it has it has to be kind of you know, it, it's a lot of work from all sides, and it's nice to be appreciated for your work. You know what I mean? So if someone does come in and they're like, you know, railroading is one of those things. is is a word that I particularly hate because when I started DM DMing, I was like, I have an idea of what I would like to happen, but I don't want to force people. And I find out like there will be groups where they will deliberately go against the main story to kind of like, you know, well, well, we don't want to do the obvious thing. We'll do the thing that's in the site. So like in my mind, I would set up something that was really obviously meant to be the main storyline. And then for example, there's, there's two jobs on there. One is go after the missing King or like a missing duke who's been kidnapped or something, and the job next to it would be go and cut down some trees, like become a lumberjack for a day, like and get paid up. And I knew, like the problem is, as soon as you know how people are gonna react to stuff, I knew my character group would deliberately pick the lumberjack job. So guess what? The lumberjack job was the main story. Like this is yes, yeah, like, this is the thing you have to you have to move the kind of goalposts as you're doing it. You have to still because everything can lead back to something like that. And at the end of the day, you are in control of the story, but you have to. You, if I didn't have that foresight and that pre-planning, where I knew like, okay, well, if they go and find the guy, they'll they'll find him. He'll just be in the next town at a pub, shit faced. And no one recognizes it. So it's going to be a really easy quest. But if they go to this one, they'll find that a witch is like the witch, the load of trees. And that's why the lumberjacks can't get further into the forest and like all this kind of stuff that leads back to things. So, you know, you manage your time. And what I will do, I'll send you guys my notes page where I've got maps and stuff like drawn up. Because you don't have to go too in-depth 
but it is nice to say like, well, nothing these guys do is going to surprise me. Like they could, mm. they could do surprising things, but I'm always equipped for what happens because at the end of the day, is it's your player's job to find these creative things, and it's your job to be able to maintain it. You know, not not kind of curtail their enthusiasm or their their ideas, but to be able to manage that inside of something that's still going to be a cohesive story. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. I mean, like, our DM, he was so good for that sort of stuff. So, like, he did up a map and all that sort of stuff, but he wouldn't just show us the map so we knew it, right? Like, no meta knowledge. What ended up happening was our, um, our, what was she? Our archer. I can't remember what the class Ranger. was. Ranger. Um, Ranger. She was smart. We walked into a general store and she was like, hey, we need this town. Do you have a map we can purchase? And she purchased the map. And so... Bevan sort of went from the slide, he's like, hey, I'll give you a physical map next week. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is where you're going. Because, you know, obviously she would then have the knowledge of we're going there. And then, no shit, Bevan went and he printed out his map and he gave her a physical map. Yeah. So from that point, the party could navigate better. That's like the same and thing like, that I would do. Or if I if I said, well, this has got like a tag marking with a big X that you are here. Send them a picture of that. Let them see it. Let them, yeah. let them start planning their own thing out and kind of doing stuff off of their own back. I feel as if another good yeah, thing you can do as well is instead of just writing the entire campaign all in one sitting and then just going off that and then, you know, trying to write all these little, like, side branches that could possibly happen because you never know if it's going to happen or not, right? Hmm. So, like, again, what, what our DM would do is he would sort of take it maybe a session or two at a time. So he'd write enough based on the current circumstances that we're in and then just create, like, something for the main quest and then just a bunch of other side shit that, to be honest, none of us would even think of doing. Yeah. But he had it there just in case. Yeah, right. And and the funniest thing was with this motherfucker too, he was the one that owned the 3D printer. So we'd, we wouldn't have even seen what we're about to fight, he'd keep it hidden, and then he'd be like, alright, so, you know, roll roll initiative, and he'd just put this creature out, we're like, what the fuck, like, terrifying, terrifying, <laughs> but the yeah. best times, man. That's what I mean, and that's a great point as well, is just, you know, build, like, plan the things that aren't going to change, you know, so if I, if I do the layout of a town, I know the layout of that town is not going to change, but, Whatever happens around that and in between, I can start to edit in and I can, you know, this guy's made friends with this guy and he's learned about a secret assassin guild. Okay, well, I know where the town is. I know what's in it. Like, I was very much from a practical thing of like, well, what do towns have? They need a place to drink, a tavern where everyone gets their quests from. That's always the main thing that we hear about. <laughs> but like, you know, what kind of faith do they practice? Are they a farm in town? Are they an aristocracy? Are are they a port town, you know? Like, is is this under the sway of something different? Is it in the middle of a desert, you know? But if you have that layout, you can say, well, actually, this fits naturally in here. So, you know, instead of having to say, like, right, I need to do this straight away because otherwise it will get forgotten about you have a bit of breathing room to say like, well, I've got a sandbox. 
but it's not an unlimited amount of space because I think DMs and characters, they see this as so limitless. Uh, uh, really, for me, that doesn't work because that's not how the world works in general. You know, we will have limits that we have to be able to approach and we will have challenges that we have to be able to overcome. But as soon as you kind of take away all restrictions, that's when people get confused because you can have too yeah. much choice. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I get that. I get that. Yeah. No. Awesome. Well, that's that's amazing. Hopefully that helps people write some some narratives or just sort of understand how to do it going forward when they start playing RPG. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Um, now this is one, uh, Obi, you can probably get back in on. Yeah. Uh, if we, if we were after a miniature, like, you know, say we want to make characters or whatever, what sort of resources would we use to get miniatures to play TTRPGs? Honestly, the best one I've found so far is Hero Forge. And I've actually used that one and, and printed off some miniatures from there too. Um, okay, can you explain that to everyone? So Hero Forge basically it's like a website where you can build your own model from the ground up. So you can pick your race, you can be a human dwarf, you can be a snake person, uh, whatever you can think Robot. of. Robot. Yeah, <laughs> whatever you can think of is in there. And you can pose the miniature the way you want it and you can add accessories the way you want it. Oh, you want wings? Sure, you can have wings. Um, and And the quality... Uh, now I bought the SDL and I asked the person to print it off for me, um, and the quality is just superb, man. So uh, yeah, really, highly. So uh, so they're that good. Hey? Yeah, highly recommend Hero Forge. Um, yeah, and I believe they also ship them off in so you can get a low quality resin, you can get a high quality resin, you can even get yeah. golden miniatures. So they'll um they'll yeah. craft them out of gold as well, which yeah, a little bit pricey, but. Yeah, they're yeah. very good. That's pretty boring, though. Oh, yeah. Imagine just like, oh, yeah, here's my solid gold player character. Bonk. <laughs> you whelps. Only dwarves. Yeah, exactly. Can't Only have dwarves can be gold. You can't have druids, otherwise you can't use them, because they're covered in metal. Yeah. That's true. Or, or dragons. Dragons can be gold, right? For sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Bowen, how else would you get one, man? You got any other ideas? Um, you can do what I did and went to Games Workshop and bought something similar to what I had or what I wanted and then just used one of those. Um, I legit don't even know what uh, faction it was. I just remember uh, walking in and seeing it and I was like, cool, this kind of looks like a rogue. This will do. I think that was a Dark Elf Assassin you got with the two... I don't know if you boys are probably not straight away. It's like a fantasy model. Where he's like jumping off a piece of like rubble, where like one dagger out, one like that. There's capes everywhere. Yeah, it sounds it's like right. a fantasy model. Yeah, I can't remember his name. He does have a name, but yeah, it's but, yeah somewhere out there. But Is yeah, it I just Dr- use Drazar, Master of Blades. Um, <laughs> well, you do what Blake Robin. did, where he kind of what was it? You had a stock like lizardman or something, and then you kind of kip bashed <laughs> it with some green stuff in a. Like parts from other models and just created your own like Dragonborn figure. <laughs> yeah, well. so obviously Dragonborns, they're like if you look at a lizard man figure or a seraphim, they're like sort of got that hunched over T Rex thing going on. Dragonborns aren't like that. They have a dragon head but they have an upright body like a man with some scales, right? So I got 
a chaos, like one of uh, the corn bloodbound warriors, is that what they're called? From AOS. Mm. I got one of those bodies. I put a Saurus Warrior head on, Saurus Warrior arms, and then, um, so he had like scaly shoulders and that, and then I, um, I kitbashed him this gigantic two handed axe. And the funniest thing was, I didn't think about it, but when I made it, I accidentally made him left handed. So my character from that day on was also left handed. <laughs> so, and then yeah. your uh, kitbashed axe tragically broke as well. Because yeah, you yeah, dropped. Mikey stood on him. I thought you dropped it. Oh no, yeah, I did break my kitbashed axe, but Mikey also stood on him as well. Yeah, he him further. Yeah, <laughs> he went through some things. Because, you know, you can always expect one thing of Mikey, and that is for him to break something you like. I love him dearly, but the moment he touches something, it fucking breaks. <laughs> uh. But yeah, um, there is also WizKids. I think it's WizKids, right, guys, that do D&D stuff? Yeah, they're... They do, like, generic D&D stuff. Yeah, there's and, WizKids. And, like, they're not super high quality, Re- but they're very cheap. Yeah, it's like Reaper Bones miniatures as well do it. I mean, plenty, but plenty of companies now, like Oblerin was saying, not just Hero Forge, but a lot mm. of companies now are doing STL files, yeah. where you can yeah. buy the STL files for a group of things, like a bunch of monsters and stuff. And if you have access to a three D printer, you can do it that way. Um, yeah, and you know, not just your miniatures of the characters, buy your scenery. Like, there's nothing quite like yeah. having a tavern where it is the whole tavern on the board. You can take the roof off of it and you can mm. place all of your little miniatures around. And if you have a bar fight, you move the minis into. <laughs> I smash him with bottle! So you, like, move your guy up behind this dude and crack him on the back of the head with the bottle. So, yeah. So, so we actually have our manor house that we had because we inherited a manor house. Our DM actually printed that out for us. Exactly, yeah. So it was, like, super cool. And, um, yeah, uh, Emma, the guy, the person that played Giggles, our ranger, she she painted that, and, like, she had never done any mini painting, like, until we started doing D&D stuff, and she nailed it. Like, dry brush and everything. Yeah. You know? So, it was real cool. And, yeah, so that's, that's how you get, uh, models. Realistically, for lack of a better term, go buy them, man, or get someone to make them for you if you don't have them. For sure. Um, or I don't know, use proxy. Use you know, like no one's gonna care. Print off a picture of a model and put it onto a piece of cardboard and just cut it so it stands Actually, up. Like there was a there was a time where Bevan was printing them out on like little uh yeah little pieces of paper and all he'd do is he'd fold them into a triangle. Yeah. And just put sticky tape on the bottom, so they just stood up, little triangles. And that was our yeah, enemy right. so before he bought the before he bought the three uh, D printer. That's what we used to fight, and it was fun. You know, because you don't need it to look like a visual spectacle. You just need to be able to spatially understand where they are and where you are, and how far away they are, and what you can do in relation to them. Yeah. So. But yeah, um, now I thought it'd be fun if we just had a little bit of a talk. And Obi, I know you haven't played any tabletop RPGs, but I'm sure you've got some fun stories about narratives you've crafted in other games, you know? Or fun you've had with, maybe with Mark doing lore and stuff like that. I don't know. Think up something. Time to use our brain. But, um, yeah, I just thought it'd be fun to talk about just 
some crazy characters we've made, some crazy times in tabletop RPGs. Just, you know, it's like a reasons you should play it, more or less, because it's like, you can have adventures like these. Well, Oblerin, what character would you make for your first yeah, RPG? Yeah, that's a good idea. What would you want to play? Oh, God, I wouldn't have any clue. Like, I'm, um, I usually end up playing, um, um, like, if I play Skyrim, I would probably base something around one of the races there, either like a Khajiit or like a, like a snake person. I don't remember what the name is there. Uh, Argonian. Yeah, an Argonian, exactly. Um, so go with that and just try and go more depth, in depth into the race, you know. Like Khajiit, obviously, you're going to be a stealthy kind of a thieving person, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah. So maybe, maybe along the lines of that, that's where I would be. Yeah, that's cool. Or, as I tell everyone, if you don't know, be a dwarf and embarrass yourself doing a Scottish accent. <laughs> oh, I laddie, I think we should go that way to the tavern. <laughs> you know, like you can do that all day. Like when Bowen made when we were playing fucking our uh, verbal title, Bowen's like, I'm only gonna play if you're talking character the entire time. So I did. <laughs> this guy. Um what about you, Bowen? You got any fun times that you wanna bring out? Um I made this really cool character. Um, wasn't able to use him much, um, just because the campaign sort of haven't gone back into it yet. I love. I I kept the idea so I can use him again someday. Um, but uh, in this campaign, uh, a good buddy of mine was supposed to join in as well, and in the process of helping him try to write a character, I was like, why don't we create something like a combination? You know, so, like, both of our characters sort of are already acquainted and we have gone through shit before the campaign even starts. And pretty much we came up with this cool little thing. Um, I don't know if you remember, Blake, from uh, technically our current campaign. Um, yeah, yeah, I remember. But uh, we had that, like, massive... Uh, I wouldn't say dictatorship. But you remember, like that it was army. An empire. Yeah, it was like a that big one. empire. Um, the story me and my buddy came up with was I was like one of the top dogs in said empire, and I was in charge of like research and you know development. So you know I was coming up with all this sort of shit. Um, I also tried. Uh, I also went with uh, the new class in D anD D that only just come out, the Artificer, and. Uh, it came up with this little backstory where there was, like, a massive explosion at, like, the R&D division. And, um, it was, like, internal sabotage. And, like, I guess espionage. Like, they were trying to... The Empire themselves were trying to take me out. Um, but after the explosion, I found this little cat creature. Well, not even a cat creature. It was straight up just a cat. Uh, but it could talk telepath- uh, telepathically to me. And that was my buddy's character. And then, because we were both on the run from the Empire, um, we had to go hide away, try and make coin where we could, so we were just, like, these vagabonds, you know? And me being an artificer, I thought it would be cool, instead of just getting off that explosion scot-free, like, my character lost an arm. So I had my character build, like, a... Not... I guess, like, a 
fantasy steampunk sort of arm. Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah, kinda. Kinda Basically. like that. Um, but <laughs> what really got me to play the other fights in the first place is I was looking at the weapons you could start with, and it's like, oh, you can have a dagger, you can have a sword, or you can have a fucking gun. Eh, who cares? <laughs> so I was just, just fucking... Everyone's <laughs> tough till they get shot. Yeah, pretty much. But, like, it, it was more yeah, like a... Fun. It was more like a magic sort of thing, where it wasn't, like, a legit, like, mechanical gun. Like, you had to infuse, like... You know, bit of fire magic to it to like fire and stuff like that. But uh, the character didn't get to use it much, but still on the backboard. You know, I want to really yeah, see what I can do cool with it. Yeah, still a cool idea though. I love that. I love that. Honestly. Uh, yeah. Have you got a story, Matt, or anything like that? Uh, I got one. If you don't, I've got a bunch that I've had fun moments with. You know, once when I was DM and I managed to get my characters into a breakdance competition. That was pretty good. <laughs> because they went down into an underground rave. Um, or one of, Probably one of the most fun characters I played was um, the guy who I was talking about earlier who made a deal with the devil and managed to get out of it. He was a wood elf uh, who always called himself like the uncrowned king. And every time I would do something, I would add a name or a title onto the end of it. So it got to like 12 things long. Um, his whole thing was trying to convince people that he was like the rightful king that was unknown and he was coming back. I remember we were riding into this like dodgy town on the back of a magical cart and someone like someone came up to the cart like they were about to steal it in front of a massive group of people. So I was like, he's coming too close to the cart. I stab him. Like, I leap off, and I, like, get my double swords, and I, like, just aim to get him. And all of my, all the player characters were like, oh, fuck's sake. Like, this is going to be bad. So, like, hit, an, <laughs> hit a natural 20, created him, like, pinned him to the ground with these two swords after jumping <laughs> off. And then, like, went straight up to the guard, and I was like, how much is it going to, how much money is it going to take for me to tell you that, this was fine because I'm the king. Get everyone to step away and also spread the rumor of like the new kings back in time kind of thing. And, you know, I just spent a load of money just making these rumors up. Like, and every time I would go somewhere new, I would like go to go to find out how far these rumors had spread by myself. So like this guy's, you know, his whole kind of intention was basically his own ego and trying to kind of make this name for himself. So that was a, you know, that was a real fun time. But, you know. Yeah, that's really cool. Just love making little puzzles. I remember I took him down into a library. It was a massive, like, kind of drawing room library. And I said, like, oh, yeah, there's a checker table on there. But, all like, there's only red checkers on the table. I like described a load of other stuff to kind of like confuse them and to fill the room up. And then I was like, then there's countless books that run all the way across. And on the top, it said, all must be read. And um, they're spending ages like, how are we going to read all these books? And then eventually it got to the point where if they move the checkers into like one solid line, it, all of the red checkers, it or took all the black checkers off of the table then it would open up a secret passageway 
So, like, stuff like that I always find really interesting just to try and make people think instead of just going from combat to combat, you know? Yeah, that's cool. One of my favourite ones, um, our DM, obviously, anyone that knows me knows I'm fucking batshit for Jurassic Park. So, um, our DM thought he would indulge us one day, and part of one of our side quests was that we went to an island, we discovered this dude had basically opened a portal, which was letting dinosaurs in, right? Like, shit had gotten out of hand, he did spare some expense, apparently. And anyway, we get, we find out that it's all coming from this crystal at the top of the mountain, right? And all we had to do was remove it from this obelisk and break it. Um... And we get up there, we get up there, and it's like, you know, sort of a bit of cover. And we're like, okay, how should we do it? How should we do it? And before anyone could speak, Malave just makes a dash for this crystal. And, like, she's getting shot at, and whatever. And there's, I think they're titans, but, like, in the shape of a T-Rex. It starts, like, it notices her. And there's, everything's going crazy. And me, you know... Being me, I'm like, I immediately follow Malave. And so I'm running after her character. She's making saving throws and everything coming at her to make sure she doesn't get hit. And then this big titan starts to close its jaws over the side of this mountain that we're all standing on. And Cat, like Malave, makes it to the crystal. And on the last roll that Bevan made me do whilst pursuing her, I rolled a nat 20. Oh, nice. Like, so 20 on the dice. And with that, I tackled her character once they had grabbed the crystal. And we just missed the jaws of this titan and shattered the crystal as as we hit the ground. And the titan got ripped into the portal and, like, half the mountain with it. And everyone was okay. But, like, it was like, if I had have rolled two points less... We both would have been insta-kill. Yeah. Like, no coming back from that. And it was just like, everyone's hearts, I, I mean, at least minor cats, I think Bowen's too, everyone was like, palpitating, man. Like, the rest of the party didn't even know what to do. They're just like, what the fuck? And we're just like, how do we just live through that? Like, it was just insane. That's probably my favourite time from the campaign, that one moment. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. That, and... Bevan was really good for seasonal specials. He w- he did us a Christmas one, and we did a Halloween one. Right? So our Christmas special, as we alluded to earlier, Bowen genocided a bunch of Christmas elves, <laughs> and I executed Santa because he was actually evil. The elves were enslaved, so they weren't evil, but Santa was. So I, uh, I decapitated Santa. Pretty cool. But the fucking Halloween one, I have to give Bevan props. He built a mood where it was like eerie and it was actually scary and it turned out in the end i believe that the mad wizard's place that we're at he had developed spiders that gave milk and all the town people had been drinking spider milk and it was gross and um but there's also like a weird chucky doll that had been haunting like following us around the house the entire time and we thought we burnt the house down and killed it but it escaped and we saw it from the forest at the end. He's like, next Halloween comes. <laughs> and we were like, oh no! So it was pretty good. Standard. It was great. But yeah, so th- it's a lot of fun, guys. Get yourself into some tabletop RPGs. Find some people. Roll some dice. 
Enjoy yourself. Um, yeah. Here we are, guys. Time for Uber to actually get involved again. Because it's stuff he knows about. Yeah. This week, we decided to check out the new album by Rammstein called Zeit. Um, or, uh, I don't know how you pronounce it. I'm not German. But it's Zeit by Rammstein. Um, and yeah, we've been giving that a pretty good listen. Um, and we're going to share our thoughts on it. What do you think about it, Mr. Obi? Um, look, I'm like a massive Rammstein fan, and I tend to like have these periods every now and then in the in, across the year that I'll just massively binge listen to all the Rammstein top hits and albums and stuff like that. And this is, it's pretty much in line with all their previous stuff. Uh, it's it's the same level. It's the same kind of weirdness. Probably the sex is a, is driven up a little bit more on this album, um, <laughs> because a lot of the songs are you know about intercourse and modifying your body because you got saggy tits or stuff like that. Uh, oh, really? yeah. <laughs> is that what that song's about? Zigzag is is oh, basically about no. that. Yeah. Yeah. Right, I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got a flat ass and your face looks like shit, so you're 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 gonna do go through plastic surgery. That's that's what zigzags oh, about. No. Yeah, that's funny. At least that's what I understand from the song. Like, I'm not a perfect German eater, but most of my German is from Rammstein. But it, that's what I'm I'm ah. I'm understanding from from that song. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, and you know. Rammstein, the 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 riffs the guitarists play are are really simple. They're very easy to come by, but they they always have this composition of the synths and you know the simple drums, simple guitars, and then just wacky lyrics that just bring it completely back to to being an awesome product. And it's kind of this simplicity that they have that make it interesting. Um. And, and that's what their older yeah. albums have too, and a lot of these songs have it as well. So, it... I think the crucial thing about music is it doesn't have to be complex. No, exactly. Simple and effective, with especially with like stuff like what Ramstein does. They have their formula, and it works. Yeah, really but well. But you can also tell Ramstein songs apart. Yeah, it's not same same. It's just similar. Yeah, yeah. I like and, and I think what Ramstein's big su- success is as well is that. Their live shows are um, probably among the best of the live shows that you can you can go listen to. Like they yeah. dress up, they do like amazing scenery. They have, I mean, I've seen the DVD of when they were playing somewhere, and and like every song is like an art an art piece in itself, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think they're continuing. Ah, cool, it. man. So yeah, continuing it on so with this. How many? Goblins out of ten, would you give that one, Obi? For being such a massive Rammstein fan, I'd still give it like a probably around a seven for me. Um, ah. There's a few ah. songs that Burn. are not as good as right, the other. Sorry, yeah. So yeah, okay, fair enough. Bowen, what are your thoughts on the album, man? Did you get a chance to listen to it? Hello. Hello. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, um, well, no, I didn't get a chance. Um, so I've kind of just been listening to it right now, as we've been recording. <laughs> um, 
I mean, uh-huh. I don't share the in-depth knowledge that Oberon does. I mean, I don't really listen to Ramstein often. Um, but I mean, just off a first listen, like it's 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 not bad. Like I don't hate it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. Oh. I mean, the the title track Zeit and the um the actual first track of the album I actually quite enjoyed. Yeah. Um. There were a few that I was like, eh, okay, that's fine. Nothing really to. I think Giftish absolutely slaps, like just that yeah. right hand rhythm to it. Go. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like oh, I said, that's cool, man. Not not the. I mean, obviously, it's kind of hard to um, get super into something when you know the lyrics are in a different language. Um, so you yeah. know, but from an instrumental side, it was good. And yeah, sweet. I think I'd give it a give it a six or a seven out of ten. Yeah. Hmm. Sweet, yeah. sweet. Um, now Matt, I know that uh, you're pretty new here, but you do listen to us. So we instead of making you listen to the whole thingy, we just sent you a couple of songs. Uh, what did you think, man? Um, have you listened to Ramstein prior to that at all? Or? No, I've never listened to Ramstein, and I don't even know what genre of music this is meant to be. Like, what? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> it's industrial metal. Yeah. I, I would class it as. Okay, yeah. So, um, I felt real worried because there was a lot of German men screaming at me. Maybe that's, <laughs> maybe that's ancestral from being an Englishman. I'm not sure. It was was okay, I guess. That was the song name, Okay. Um, Yeah. uh, I I don't really know what to say about it. I like music where it's just light, happy-go-lucky. Rammstein was definitely not that for me. <laughs> what do you mean? The they were singing about having sex without a condom in that song. Isn't that the peak, pen- the, you know... The problem is, happiness? for me, this was like, I needed subtitles for the song, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> like, I did I did search for the English version, which would have been a lot better for me. Uh, <laughs> The fact that people have their own culture and their own language upsets me greatly. Um, that's always been part of being English. That's why we tried to change that many, many years ago. Um, yeah, it, it was okay for my first experience. I liked the little keyboard noises. They were very good. Yeah. Um, the beep boops. Give it two goblins out of two goblins, but I have no comparison or reference. Fair enough. Fair enough, man. <laughs> I mean, all I can say is it's just lucky we didn't get you in on a lawn ashore week, you know? Because I think that would have just made your fucking brain pop. Yeah, I'm. I've, it's in English, but you wouldn't know it. After listening to it, I did want to go cry in the shower for a little bit. But any <laughs> any music that invokes uh, emotion is probably pretty good. Yeah, it's good art. It's good art. See, that's my favorite thing about my house. I have a huge shower, plenty of crying room. <laughs> right? Anyway. Um, yeah, so, for me, um, as with the other three of us that don't speak German, I speak a little, but not, like, enough to understand, Mm. you know, like, what's going on. But, the one thing I always love about Rammstein 
is their solid rhythm section. Yeah. Like, their guitar, bass, and drums work together in such a way that my ears, they love it in the same way they love Pantera's rhythm section. Now, I'm not saying I love Ramstein as much, but it likes it for the same reason. Just simple, effective triplets. Yeah. And just, can we take a moment to appreciate the fact that somehow the guitarist from Rammstein has nearly the perfect guitar tone, in my opinion. It's not too down-tuned. It's fucking just the correct... Like, it's just correct in my mind. Yeah. It's so close to perfect. Like, so for me, that's great. Obviously, I can't understand it, but I really enjoy it having it on while I'm chatting to you guys and hobbying mm. or playing video games where it's like, it's not my primary focus, you know? Yeah. Um, don't listen to it while driving to work because you do go too fast. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just, it has this drive. But there are some tracks on here that just, like the rhythm section, fucking slap. Like, uh, Zigzag has a really good riff in it. Mm. Um, and as I said, Giftish, yeah. uh, Giftig. Giftish. I think it's Giftish they pronounce yeah. it. That that riff just hammers, dude. And like mm. for me, like Bowen said, when you can't understand the words, that's what hammers at home. And I think this album, they did very good. A bit more safe than the album before. Yeah. But still very good. Um I would give it probably six goblins out of ten. Which sounds bad, but considering I don't speak their language, pretty fucking good. Yeah. Fair enough. So yeah. Yeah, I think I think they did a good job, and you know, I think it's always a good day for metal when uh, Rammstein put out a new album because they have a lot of very loyal fans. Yeah, exactly. You know? So yeah, um, now I have a fun little game for us guys. This week we're going to play a small round of Would You Rather. Now none of the boys here actually know what the questions are. So, this is just a few that I threw together before the show. Wait, this is the so, surprise? I'm... Yeah, yeah, this is my surprise, but Are you disappointed? No. No, not really. <laughs> uh, so, okay. Now, all of you get to answer, like, you know, obviously, do your answer thing one at a time. Try not to fucking bite each other's faces. Now, first one. Would you rather strip and repaint plastic models or work with brand new fine cast? Hmm. Hmm. Can you repeat the question in a sentence? <laughs> that was a sentence there. Would you rather... Okay, so would you rather buy second-hand plastic models, right, Bo? Already assembled and painted and have to strip all the paint off, reassemble them, whatever, and then repaint them? Or work with fine cast resin, which has a tendency to be very brittle, doesn't fit together very well, just really hard to work with. Or even metal models. You know how they don't glue properly and that sort of shit? Um, which would you guys rather do? Well, first of all, thank you, Mitson, for giving me the, the option to go through this <laughs> mysteriously and um, aggravating experience. Um, and I've done both of them. I've, um, I've bought secondhand models. I've stripped them, taken apart and fixed them up and also fine cast and metal. And, uh, I'm, um, 
I'm saying it's probably easier for newer models because most of the things you can control yourself uh, compared to getting older models, it's already done. The pose is ready and you just have to live with it, with what the previous person has done and try to correct it as much as possible. And I think that was that was more time consuming than uh, getting a new fine cast model, even though it's also aggravating. But uh, so, so are you in the plastic camp or the fine cast camp? I'm definitely in the plastic camp, but I've bought bought secondhand resin as well. So, oh yeah, yeah. All right, uh, Bowen, do you have any idea or just no idea? I what would rather? rather do the resin one or metal one. Okay. Um, that way I don't have to look at some other person's shite painting. <laughs> um, valid point man and also I have no experience so I don't know so we'll see yeah but you know I, I think that's a very valid point what would you what about you Matt um I don't understand what Oblorane's crying about all the time uh <laughs> I have this thing called super glue and green stuff and I'm a decent hobbyist so Oh, I, shots fired! So I would definitely pick up the fine cast one, just because I'm not a crying little baby. Um, yeah, I in, I hate I hate stripper models. I mm. absolutely hate it with a vengeance. I'm too lazy. It's one of those things that you can leave in and soak. So I've been stripping down a Nurgle army for the past year and a half. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I got my jar right there. Is that a cum jar? What anime figure do you have in that? <laughs> no, I've um, yeah, I've been stripping down my Nurgle army so long that all of the cleaning fluid has evaporated and it's no longer soaking. So yeah, I hate it. So Matt's in the firing cast camp. All right, all right. Would you rather? Only allowed to do Nurgle models for the rest of your hobby, or no Warhammer at all? Obi first. <laughs> I don't know. Nurgle models are cool. I like the Death Guard, to be honest. But uh, I won't be doing Poxwalkers because of those. I might do a couple, but not but all of them. No, no, but like, you're only allowed to do Nurgle. Well, that's better than no so Warhammer, you... I guess. Okay. Uh, what about you, Bo? Um, hmm get stuck painting one particular model for the rest of my life, or save money. I think I'd choose to save money. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I, uh, what about you, Matt? I can't commit to an army. That's just not what I do. Um, but there's such a variety of other miniatures like out there now, like Skibor. I would probably ditch Warhammer and move over to Skibor Sculpts or something like that. Just pick up another brand. I feel like Feel like that's what I'd do. I'd just go start playing bolt action or something, you know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and now for the last and most important question: Would you rather snort crushed up sprues or do shots of contrast paint? Obi, go. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, <laughs> I think the least 
mm, hurtful for your body is probably shots of contrast paint. I think snorting plastic straight in there, mm, not gonna be good for you. So I, I'd probably say contrast paint for this one. Excellent, Bob. Um, contrast paint as well because they come in fancy colors. <laughs> <laughs> True. True, and possibly flavors unconfirmed. What about you, Matt? Um, I work as an engineer and drink about six cans of Monster a day, so my body's already screwed. Um, I c- <laughs> it doesn't matter which. I can barely smell anything. My nose is blocked with metal filings and dust, um, and I can't taste anything anymore because I can't smell anything anymore. So either would be great for me, to be honest. But please, any <laughs> viewers who are listening to this, write back and confirm. Um, which one's worse for you? Fair enough. And I, I think, I think the only reason, I think a good reason that you would shot the contrast paint and not snort the spruce is at least I reckon you'd have rainbow poos if you done started. Yeah, you know, shot and contrast paint or pissing different yeah, colors. So like, yeah, yeah, a little bit of fun down the back end, you know. Yeah, but <laughs> to be fair, every time you blow your nose, you would have made a chaos spawn. So that's just pretty. Cool. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Alright, well, that was a fun little episode there. Little by little, I mean really fucking long. Um, Matt, thank you so fucking much from all of us for being on our show. Thanks for having me. Um, really enjoyed it. Anytime, man. We were fucking, we love having you around. You're great as part of the community. You're a great supporter and we fucking, we appreciate you, man. Um, is there anything you'd like to plug? Like, you got any projects going, or Instagram, or anything like that that you'd like to plug, or... No, all of my, ins- all of my Instagrams keep getting banned for suspicious activity, um, so I don't really want to get into what I've been doing on those, and anyone to see it. No, um, I would like to plug Knights of the Hobby table, become a Patreon, invest back, guys. Thank like, you. this has been... A lo- there's a lot of work that goes into doing stuff like this. I can tell you from first-hand experience. So if you want to see content like this grow, you need to give back. Stop spending your money on Netflix or Disney Plus that keeps ramming crap down your throat. And just um, spend a dollar. Get your hand in your pocket. Don't be a cheap little hoe. Yeah, like, if you've even laughed once... Uh, through all of our episodes, I think that's worth a buck, man. Like, you know, better than that fucking evil mouse. So yeah, thank you so much for coming on, Maddie. We'll definitely have you on again, brother. Thank you. And yeah, um, yeah. So we have Patreon, as Matt's just said. You can find us there. Um, we're on all the socials. We got Facebook. We got Instagram. Um. Yeah, we now have a Spotify playlist for all the music that we discuss in the episodes. We also have a Discord where you can come and hang out with us. And yeah, oh, and not all the time, but every so often, if you tune into Mr. Scar405's streams on Twitch, you actually hear us boys in the Discord talking shit while I play Halo with him on streaming. They get fucking wild, so go... Tune into his stuff if you're a game Twitch watcher person. And, um, yeah, it's fucking, it's a good time for all. So, uh, yeah, until next time, uh, remember to crank that ass. Slay that grey. Hello. We are not the hobby table.
Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Thanks, guys. See you later.